All right, lesson eight. Does anyone not have a sheet that I give? I gave you a sheet. I just gave you a sheet. You right? did things. Um, I gave you all the texts on the page rather than on the screen tonight. I think. I don't want to make any promises. It's always the worst thing to do to promise that it's going to be short ahead of time and then go along. But I think every week I've ended pretty close to time or early, and I anticipate that being the case this week. Um, I have kind of one point that I hope that has kind of impacted me that I hope I can help not drive home like you don't get it, but something to give you something to think about, and then the rest is just looking at the texts, saying, yep, okay, we need to do that, and then we can go home. <laughs> so, so uh, Pete, would you pray for us, and then we will uh, look at the lesson. Sure. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for bringing us together safely and uh, to study what, what uh, lesson you have brought before us tonight. We, we pray that you would give uh, Troy the, the words that would help us to understand what you are bringing forth to be taught to us. Uh, we ask for your blessing in, in everything that we learn and discuss tonight. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so lesson eight is an expansion, or I should say, a, uh, the first of a series of lessons that are designed to put uh, meat to the bones, to put uh, flesh um, to the command of last week, which was to love one another. And so this is going to be the first uh, application point, so to speak, of last week's lesson of loving one another. So this week is on on the need to encourage one another And the goal that I have for our lesson today is to discover how we have been uniquely gifted to encourage others, or other, since I can't spell correctly. (laughs) Put an S after other, instead of, it's supposed to be plural. So, So, lesson eight, the goal is to discover how we have been uniquely gifted to encourage others. So before I get to that specific um, point that I would like to stress tonight, I'd like just to take a few minutes to just look at these uh, first three texts in particular and just see what they have to say and what information they might contribute to um, this topic of loving one another by encouraging one another. So, um, would anyone volunteer to read the first text, and then we can kind of begin our discussion and see what we can learn? Betty, read loudly, though. Ephesians four twenty nine through five two. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, for as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what are some things that are... Let's begin with the obvious. 
what what contributions would a text like this make in, in obvious ways to encouraging one another? I'm not speaking. Okay. Point of building up, building others up. Okay. And what is his example? Walking in the way of love. So then, a potentially slightly less obvious, but fairly obvious point would be that using our words to encourage would be a demonstration of Christ-like love. I mean, that's kind of connecting some dots, but... What about that phrase that... Um, where Paul says at the end of verse 29, well, it's kind of middle of the verse 29, he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. assumes relationship, it assumes uh, some measure of intimate, I mean, you know, that like all of us know, oh yeah, well, I need to pray for you that you're going to grow spiritually, like no doubt, right? But I mean, this is, how can we use words that are well-timed and fitting for that person in their moment of need, um, but we have to know what that is. Anything else that you see? Uh, the people that have the need need to be able, need to listen. Hmm. They they have to pay attention and they have to be uh, responsive to whatever we may be doing to help build them up. Because it says at the end of the verse that it may benefit those who listen. Hmm. What about uh, the beginning of verse 30? Does that catch anyone off guard? Verse 30 begins, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that have to do with verse, verse is that we need the Holy Spirit's help and guidance as we looked at a couple weeks ago about how we're dependent on the Spirit. We don't do that. Apparently we're craving the Spirit. Yeah, so if if the pattern of our life is one of unwholesome speech that is destructive to our brothers and sisters and anyone else for that matter, that we are in that in that activity, grieving the Holy Spirit of God. That's that, 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 should, also, that should give us some pause, I would think. Can that also apply to the stuff that follows, not just the unwholesome words? Above well, it, you know? I, I, absolutely. 
Because sometimes texts do that, you know, yeah. they'll say something and it's referring to yeah. what they just said, but in this case there's nothing that says I, that. I would say that, I mean, I haven't looked at the Greek, but since verse 30 begins with and, that's that's a conjunction, so my, my hunch would be that it's tying to verse 29. That doesn't mean that it's disassociated from what follows. Um, my hunch is that it's probably connected to what goes before more intimately, but I still think the whole thing is probably connected. Because certainly if you're filled with bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice, you're certainly grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Um, if you're failing to be kind and compassionate to one another and forgiving each other, you know, you're grieving the Spirit of God. So I think Pastor Ken is the one who I've heard say this numerous times that our words are sacred. I think I think he's the one that I've heard say that. So our words have power. Our words are important. And, uh, and our words must be given forethought because because they are sacred and because every word that proceeds out of our mouth reveals our heart and has the capability of uh, tearing someone down or building them up. And so our words as believers ought to be words that edify, that build up. Would someone be willing to read the next text? Hebrews 3. Dad? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So what what would how, how does this text contribute to our understanding of encouraging one another? Again, none of my questions are designed to trick not in the business of trickery as some of you used to think <laughs> it's talking about the need for interaction between believers that we need to help lift each other up What's I mean? This so personalized. Yeah, so the the fir- now in two te- texts back to back we have a consequence, right? So there's a consequence uh, if we are speaking unwholesome things in Ephesians four, and that is grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Here, there's now a consequence directly to the. If we fail to encourage one another, there's a consequence. What's the consequence? The potential consequence, I should say. Turning away from God. Yeah, turning away from the living God, having a sinful, unbelieving heart. And then at the the end it says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So sin, so there's power in those wholesome, building up sorts of words. Because it has the power to save, not obviously literally redeem, but it has the power to save our brothers and sisters from falling away. 
Now, we're not going to get into the whole theology of, you know, that sort of issue. But, I mean, we can't... It would be a mistake of us to read Hebrews and not allow ourselves to feel the weight of that. Regardless of which side of the fence you come down on the whole issue of can someone lose their salvation or not. Regardless, you ought to read Hebrews and feel the weight of the author of Hebrews saying... Uh, you need encouragement so that you don't get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because sin will deceive you and blind you and put scales over your eyes. And so, what do you think? And, and this is just—I'm just—we're just talking. I'm not—I don't have the right answer here, um, or at least I haven't thought of the right answer yet. But what 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 do you think is so? What's the connection? Like, why would the author of Hebrews, why would God inspire the author of Hebrews to say, connect encouragement with falling away? Like, as, as a remedy or a medicine for a, a person falling away from the faith or being blinded by the deceitfulness of sin or hardened, I'm sorry. How does that fix it? How does that help? by speaking truth lovingly into one another's lives and that and you can encourage along with that too so where it says um, building others up in that first verse according to their needs well what is our greatest need it's to be pointed to Christ continually and the people that are closest to me do that they speak the truth to me especially if I'm you know like discouraged or not on the right path in terms of thinking biblically and they will point me to Christ in, in that those situations the best that they can. So that encourages me because when they took the time and they lovingly, gently spoke the truth to me, but that's what I needed. That's what my soul needed to hear. You know, I needed to hear that. So it I think opens our eyes to hopefully turn uh, help us to renew our minds I think and to turn our minds in the right direction in our hearts as well so we don't continue in that path of the the wrong thinking and because our what our um, thinking leads to I forgot how that pattern goes but the thinking our hearts and then behavior yeah encouragement just doesn't have to be I mean, I know we're talking in the, the spiritual sense here, but you know, if if you're sick and you got something really terribly wrong with you, and people come to visit you or send you a card, they don't send you a card that is, you know, I got uh, got lung cancer. Uh, you know, hey, well, it stinks to be you. You know, uh, you're probably not going to get any better. You know, you know, you probably don't have much longer to go. You, you know. That's not it's not encouraging anyone. Same thing if someone has got some sin issues in their life that need to be addressed, and we don't come alongside them or help them or talk to them, we just ignore them or we just act like it's okay. That's not encouraging anybody. Helping them through their issue, if they especially if they say something, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Well, don't worry about it; it'll go away. You know, you you can't. That's not encouragement. And if we don't 
encourage each other, then someone's gonna life may go down the dumper because of it, you know. Um, put it bluntly, but we, we need to encourage each other. It's it's the proper thing to do in in all aspects of life, not just spiritually. So I think that's what that is looking at. To go off what you said too, it reminded me of if if believers aren't encouraging one another, then we're going to start hearing the voices from the world, you know, and that's and go someplace else for that encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you encourage encourage others, you're encouraging yourself too. The mm-hmm. same words are there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Two of the has to be in the right place. I guess two. Uh, Implications, if that's the right word, I, that kind of popped into my mind as I was listening to you all talk, is that encouragement. At least when I when I think about it in this context, doesn't necessarily mean that it is a always a uh, a complimentary mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? right. I mean, because there might be times where. Um, encouragement, like if you think about it in a coaching sense, um, sometimes encouragement comes by the pat on the back or the slap on the bum, and your and your coach like yeah. And then there might be some times where your coach encourages you to do the right thing, and you know, by, by sitting you on the bench or by getting in your face a little bit or by inspiring you in unique ways, right? <laughs> or by wind sprints, um, <laughs> which is always my favorite, right? Um, and the other thing is that, that, and this is something I've said before, so this isn't anything new, but it again highlights the fact that an isolated Christian is not um, a concept it, it is a foreign concept to the pages of the New Testament, and in an isolated Christian is in a is in a dangerous place because, as you said, there we always are listening to someone or something, and and we need each other um, to help our, each other uh, rather than because you're going to listen to somebody. And you're going to listen to the stupid voices inside of your head that are going to pretty much guarantee put you down the wrong path. Or you need to listen to the voice of God through his word and through the body of believers that surround you. So if you find yourself as one who um, is stinky relationally, um, now that doesn't mean you can't be an introvert, right? But um, if you're a believer, there has to be a close connection to the body of Christ and, and, and relationships. I mean, even if it's hard work, there has to be relationships so that this kind of thing can take place. That's that's in all of our best interests. Uh, Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty five. Anyone willing to read that? All right. <coughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from, the guilty, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay. What can we glean from this text? It's obviously primarily in the latter half of this text. but I think for me the key is uh, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And he explains what that hope is previous to that in, in, uh, in uh, Jesus shedding his blood for us. Um, and if we, if we have that hope and that's really what's in our hearts, then encouraging one another who have that same hope will be a good thing for us to do as Sally said and for them but it also can be something that where we can encourage others who don't have that kind of hope uh, and use that hope that we have as a means to maybe help encourage them and if they need to be saved and then maybe help direct them toward the Lord so I kind of see that as, you know our hope is the, is the key to all that. There's a part in the lesson that just said, irritate each other to love and good deeds. It said what? Irritate each other to love and good deeds, which to me means like be persistent. Irritate? Um, irritate, okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> it says, what would it look like for believers to irritate each other to love and good deeds? Um, Nag. <laughs> Sounds like nagging. <laughs> but I think what maybe it's saying is that just to constantly encourage each other, and if you see someone heading down a long path, or just to be constantly there. Yeah. Keeping each other accountable. I mean, we, it's certainly undeniable in this text that it hasn't been in the others that this is within the context of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly need encouragement, I think, at times, to even hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Because, and all the more as you see the day approaching, because... Our gaze is not uh, supposed to be, I mean, looking back at the cross is good, um, but not having our eyes fixed on the junk of life here, as chapter 12 says, but we need encouragement to keep our eyes lifted and on, um, as Colossians, was it Colossians 3, 
having our our minds fixed on things above, not on things on earth. So we need encouragement to see that because in the stuff of life really weighs us down. The sin that we or the sin of others, I mean, really can can weigh us. I mean, it can weigh me down. And I don't know about you, but and so I. I need encouragement. You need encouragement um, to hold on to the hope, to even sometimes see the hope that we have. Because sometimes it's it's really easy to forget that because we seem we feel like we're just stuck in the most impossible place in life, and we're like, "Well, crap! What the heck are we supposed to do now?" And 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 so we need others to to kind of help us get out of that funk. Last text, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, and I'll, I'll read this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Any thoughts? I know it doesn't use the word encourage. We are are supposed to be the image of God to the world. And if God comforts us, then we are to do the same to others, for others. Okay. And the trials that we each go through, Oftentimes, there is another person who is going through the same or very similar trial, and God doesn't always make us comfortable in those trials, yet um, He comforts us. I mean, we may not be comfortable, but He comforts us. He gets us through, um, and then when we come through um, the other end, we're able to tell others how we were comforted by God. This is this is how God got me through this. God may may not get that person through it the same way, or even get them through. But we can give them. Well, yes, we can give them hope, encourage them that you know it, it was very difficult, but God comforted me. This is how He comforted me. Whether the yeah. outcome is going to be the same or not. Yeah. I, this text wasn't, as I recall, in our lesson, but it, um, I was reading a booklet last night in bed, and uh, and I and this text was in that booklet, and I got done reading the booklet, and then I started thinking about the lesson, and then all of a sudden I was like, that's it. Like, that's the thing that we need to know, is that God uniquely equips us through our difficulties so that we can encourage others in similar difficulties. I mean, and that's the thing, is that we, because it's it's easy to have us, you know, we can all in our Christianized terminology and our, you know, we've been, all been saved for a while and we can all sit there and think, okay, well, how can we encourage each other? Well, let's pray and then let's write notes to each other and, you know, we can... All those things are good, and we can come and, you know, say, hey, I can really see God's work in your life. And, like, all those things are good, and we should do those kind of things. I think sometimes we 
like we just fail like we just look at it as like this okay here's the checklist here's the way to do this this is like okay no but God has uniquely equipped me he has uniquely equipped each one of you to encourage other people that I might not be equipped to encourage yeah I can say you know hey I can give them that like generic encouragement but I mean there's people in here that have gone through circumstances in life that 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 other people have gone through but that I haven't gone through and I've gone through stuff that you haven't gone through and so when we think about it that way and this is where so I'm going to make it really uncomfortable for you but I'm going to try to make it a little less uncomfortable because I'm not going to make you say it out loud but flip over your page and I'm going to ask you questions and it's going to be a little like uh, uncomfortable in the sense you actually have to think about your life in, in ways that you might not want to but let, I just want to get really practical with this idea that God has uniquely equipped you and I through our difficulties to encourage others in similar difficulties so number one make a list of the, some of the unique ways in which God has equipped you to encourage others and let me encourage you to think, let's say, at least to begin, to get your mind going, what are some life circumstances that are that you have experienced that are difficult, junky circumstances? I'll give you some for instances just while you're writing, in case you're not getting my drift. Maybe you have lost a child. Maybe you've lost a parent at an early age or you've had a death in the family. Maybe divorce is in your family or, or you've been divorced. Maybe um, maybe there's good, good circumstances but have just been difficult like the Owens with their adoption. Um, or you've had a prodigal child or you've had financial issues, a loss of a job. Those are the kinds of things I'm trying to get you to think through and write down. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, I promise. Now, number two, if you're done with number one, um, number two, this is going to be even more difficult, is is there anyone that you can think of that you know that shares a similar 
heartache or circumstance? Who has shared a difficult a difficult circumstance that you have shared? So whatever you have in your list of number one, do you know of anyone else that you have any connection to that would fall in one of those unique circumstances? Number three, I'm not gonna. I, I'm just gonna ask you to write this question down, but I'm not gonna ask you to answer it here and now, because um, I'd rather you take time to think through this um, over the week. Make a list of ways you feel you might be comfortable encouraging those people that are on your list. Make a list of ways that you feel you might be comfortable encouraging them. So over the next week, think through. And I can give my mom lots of kudos in this respect. And my mom uh, lost... Uh, my sister, Kyleen, when I was, what, five-ish, six, somewhere in, um, and she was, it was a miscarriage slash, like, stillborn, right? Stillborn, seven months. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the, I don't remember now the incredible heartache. I remember the stories that my mom and dad have told me about it, but... But I watched my mom be able to minister to other ladies who have gone through similar circumstances like that. Whether it's through writing notes, whether it's meeting them, whether it's talking on the phone, what have you. My parents have adopted my sister. And uh, they have been able to, and my mom especially, has been able to sit on the phone with young women at inner city who have 
been contemplating adoption and have had to wait and wrestle through the waiting and then deal with the whole, you know, parental rights and all that jazz. And my mom has been able to take circumstances in her life, whether knowingly or not, and do what Paul has written in Second Corinthians 1. So God has is, is uniquely equipped each one of us through the circumstances of our lives to comfort those who need comfort. And we all need it at some point in time and in, some, in, in, in different ways, even if we have a really awesome, hard exterior that doesn't let people see the, the chinks in our armor. Um, and that might be one of the unique, unique ways that you are gifted to go help someone who needs <laughs> that encouragement because maybe you're just one of those tough guys or tough gals and, and you understand, right? Um, so that is the sing- singular thing that I hope that you take away from tonight is that we're all uniquely gifted and equipped by God to encourage each other. And I totally rocked like 20 minutes ahead of time. And I kept my promise. Let's pray. And then we can either sit here and talk about nothing or we can go. Father, I thank you for your word. and uh, I thank you that you are a God of all comfort even uh, when all hope does seem to be lost in the really, really difficult, dreary times of life. I thank you for friends and for your word and for people who can come and lift our heads to see um, the day that is approaching and to look with joy um, through the midst of painful circumstances. I thank you that um, these difficulties are not wasted, um, even though it's, it's really incomprehensible to all of us in the midst of those trials that you bring us through. Um, Yeah, we know that you're working, and we try to remind ourselves of that, as James says, but it's really, really hard to think, how in the world could this possibly be a benefit to me, let alone anybody else? Yet, in your sovereign goodness, you work it in such a way that you have uniquely equipped each one of us through the circumstances of our lives and the trials we've endured to be able to come alongside of our brothers and sisters who have walked similar roads and and be able to uniquely help them in ways that other other people can. So I pray that um, we wouldn't just think of encouragement in this very sterile, sort of uh, impersonal yeah, we got to do this to check it off our list sort of thing, but that we would um, see um, your hand at work and that we would see opportunities that maybe we otherwise wouldn't have seen if we hadn't thought about it this way. In your name we pray.